الجزيرة بودكاست Will Turkey's opposition be able to end Recep Tayyip Erdogan's grip on power? The president's facing a serious challenge in next week's election. He's outperformed rivals for two decades. But with a united opposition, could this vote bring change? I'm Imran Khan, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests from Istanbul. Anur Erim, president of Dragoman Strategies, a defense think tank, and author of a book on Turkey's election system. From Pittsburgh, North Carolina, W. Robert Pearson, a Turkish foreign policy specialist and former U.S. ambassador in Ankara. And also from Istanbul, Sinan Ulgin, chairman of the Center for Economic and Foreign Policy Studies and a former Turkish diplomat. A warm welcome to you all. Let's begin in Istanbul with Sinan. Uh, Sinan, I've been speaking to various Turkish uh, political observers, journalists and the like, uh, politicians as well, and asked them a very simple question. Who's going to win this election? And everybody has said to me, that it's too close to call. But that's not your opinion, is it? What do you think? I think that the opposition will win. Uh, they have a slight margin, uh, which uh, they, uh, they are likely to maintain. Um, the reason why uh, I think that is, first of all, based on uh, polling data. But secondly, also at the dynamic of the campaign. Um, on, on the campaign side track, The opposition has done um, a a relatively good job because they've been able to campaign with several different leaders at the same time, Uh, whereas the campaign on the side of the government uh, is is done and Erdogan himself carries a very heavy load. Uh, But on the other side, you have uh, the challenger, Kılıçdaroğlu himself. You have uh, Akşener, uh, the chairwoman of E-Party, You have the two popular mayors, Ekrem Imamoğlu, the mayor of Istanbul, and Mansur Yavaş, the mayor of Ankara, all doing the campaigning uh, at several different corners of the country. So as a result, I think that the opposition will have, uh, you know, will, uh, will go to the finish line with a slight margin. Uh, also in Istanbul, I want to bring in Onur Erim. Onur, do you agree with our other guests in Istanbul that this is the opposition's fight to win? Well... To be honest with you, in any uh, two-man race, and this is what it turned out to be pretty much, not to be disrespectful to the other two candidates, but every everybody and even them, them, themselves consider them to be kind of not be a very big contender. So this race is actually between uh, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu and President Erdogan. Uh, so it is very likely that there won't be a landslide victory no matter who wins. And whether it's uh, whether it's uh, especially for the first round, uh, my assessment, and uh, I know you don't have time to discuss all this, but uh, my experience is that uh, President Erdogan will act indeed win in the first round with a uh, comparatively uh, comfortable, uh, you know, margin. And I don't consider comf- in the first round. I, my consideration of com- comfortable lead is uh, somewhere between two points and up. Now, uh, as opposed to uh, to the dynamics of the uh, campaigns, I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the opposition has kind of uh, what they try to present as, as, as a, a group of difference of opinions or matter, you know, uh, or different uh, background people coming together is now being perceived as uh, eight different people trying to compete for the same seat. And they have demonstrated Uh, I think a very bad move on their on their part, 
They have demonstrated right. in the last month and a half during the campaign that there are definitely a lot of issues that they cannot agree. And people are puzzled. The voters are puzzled as to what if these guys win, if they sit on the uh, presidential table, because there's eight of them total, how are they going to agree on important things? Even more so, how are they going to agree on urgent matters? which is, I think, a, a big, big question mark in, in the heads of all voters in Turkey, whether they're supporting the opposition or supporting Erdogan. Uh, Ambassador Pearson, uh, this has been a 20-year rule for President Erdogan. Uh, he's certainly been in the job long enough for, for, to have seen a lot of things. Do you think he's losing his touch? He's been very criticised over his handling of the earthquake and the economy. Do you think it's time for another leader? You know, I think there's an interesting comparison with 20 years ago when this government uh, won uh, decisively against the then existing government because of a lack of trust uh, after the aftermath of a major earthquake and a uh, economic crisis. So in some strange way, uh, the world seemed to have turned back to much the same scenario and uh, much the same concern about whether to have faith in this government given the problems it has now made visible with the economy, uh, with recovery of the country, uh, and with trust from the public, and the one that existed 20 years ago. I do think that it's unlikely that one of these candidates will win a majority uh, in the round this weekend. And I do think that in some sense, the real campaign will begin on uh, Monday morning or Sunday evening and uh, last for the next uh, two weeks. Uh, and uh, I think it's going to be uh, a drawn out affair and we may not know good results and we may not know good government, that is to say effective government, for a while. Uh Sinan, uh, one of the things that we've seen in this election that's been very interesting to me, I was speaking to a media analyst who suggested uh, that Kemal uh, Deoglu hasn't really had that much publicity on state-owned television, most of it being very sympathetic to Erdogan. But uh, we've seen other leaders within the coalition, Akshaner, for example, who you mentioned earlier, get a little bit of publicity, the idea being that that could split uh, the opposition vote. Do you think that's something uh, that is a, 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 of a, a play at play here? No, because there is no risk of splitting the opposition vote. The opposition has one single candidate. Uh, so, uh, however, they are running, uh, you know, for the parliamentary race. Uh, although they are in alliance, uh, every party will have uh, its own set of representatives in parliament. So there are separate campaigns uh, for parliament. That is also the case for the ruling alliance, where you have uh, our party and MHP that will end up having uh, different uh, parliamentary groups. So they also have uh, separate campaigns. But the uh, initial question uh, that you raised is uh, essentially the reason why the elections in Turkey, although they are free, they are not fair. Uh, because uh, the government party is relying heavily uh, on state resources, uh, but also on the uh, weight of uh, the uh, state-led uh, press, uh, including um, TRT, which gives uh, much bigger coverage uh, to uh, the content and actions uh, of the ruling party. And that's certainly uh, an imbalance that Turkey needs to redress uh, if, it's, uh, if it's going to improve its democratic standards.
Oh, no. One of the things that President Erdogan has done is uh, give uh, government workers a 45% pay rise in the days running up to the election. He's probably hoping that that's going to be enough to swing the vote for him. But five million young people are now eligible to vote. Uh, and they, by no means, have picked a side. Do you think that's going to be the defining factor of this election, is going to be the youth vote? Well, uh, before I answer that, I should really underline that I'm, I'm against this, uh, you know, uh, people using the terminology of the, the, the Generation Z and how they are, you know, thinking or, or acting like uh, differently from, from the general public. Um, it's just a regular Turkish youth. Uh, it is, I think they're going to be divided just as they were a decade or two ago. You know, some of them are going to be liberals, some are going to be conservative, some are going to be more nationalistic. So I don't foresee that the, uh, and I, I, I actually believe in this, not just for Turkey, but for the rest of the world, that the uh, the new generations are not any different than our, you know, our generation when we were young. I think the, uh, the, the big misunderstanding is that they are now more loud, they are now able to freely communicate and very cheaply across the globe and they are now more you know louder than they were before but when it comes to voting uh, practices by the youth i don't think it's going to be any different than before now uh, talking about erdogan giving uh, you know a, a raise uh, yesterday i think it was a, a new raise is not something unplanned erdogan has been uh, increasing all the pays starting with minimum wage uh, going through with the state workers and and the state employees, and also with the uh, with the retired people, uh, he's been raising them. He's been raising all these pays for the last almost two years. That is his way. That, as he explained, to fight uh, the uh, the buying power of the people for the last two years. So to say that this was a uh, politically motivated raise. Uh, just uh, you know, a couple of days before the elections, one must know nothing about Turkish economy, and one must know nothing about how Erdogan, Erdogan is fighting, has been fighting the inflation for the last two years. So I don't foresee it as a as a as an electoral uh, move. It is just the way uh, Erdogan has been fighting inflation for the last two years. Uh, Ambassador Pearson, I will come to you in just a second, but I want to put that point uh, to Sinan Ulgen, who's also in Istanbul. Sinan, this is a very hyper local election. It's almost that domestic politics, domestic inflation, domestic economy is where this battleground is. Our guest in Turkey, uh, in Istanbul, has said, actually, this wasn't a bribe. This was always planned. But coming days before the election, it must be of concern, right? Well, obviously, it's a concern. Uh, and um, I don't agree at all uh, with the assessment that was just made. You don't fight inflation by raising wages. This is called incomes policy. You can help people uh, to improve their purchasing power. But ultimately, what you need to do is to fight inflation itself. And that's not something that this Say government has done. On the contrary. Inflation. Please don't. Um, don't excuse me, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I. You know, I paid you respect listening to you. Oh no, let's. Oh no, I'll come to you in a minute. Disturbing your words. I will come to you in a moment. Let's let let Sinan finish his 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 thought, and then I'll come to you in a minute. Thank you. So the inflation in Turkey is totally self-induced. Uh, and it's a result of uh, major macro policy mistakes, uh, the thinking going that you need to lower the interest rate in order to fight inflation. That's quite a unique and novel approach, and it hasn't worked. 
it was never going to work. So, uh, and as a result, uh, this has become uh, the main hindrance to the popularity of the government, a government that successfully steered the economy for a number of years. But now, as a result of this, uh, this, uh, the, uh, the, this, has, this is having political consequences. And this is the reason why, unlike previous years, this is going to be a very difficult uh, struggle uh, for President Erdogan, politically speaking. Well, let's bring in the international section into this right now. Uh, and I want to start with um, Ambassador Pearson. Ambassador Pearson, Kemal uh, Kirijordolu doesn't have an international presence. No one really votes in an election, whether it's the US, the UK, Turkey, on foreign policy. It's always about domestic politics. But the international community is clearly watching this. Uh, does the US have a preferred candidate here, do you think? Uh, does the U.S. have a preferred candidate? I would say that the U.S. view consistently is that Turkey should be and act like fully a democratic country. So the United States is worried when it sees opposition politicians jailed for years. It's worried when it sees journalists arrested. It worries when a government controls all of the media. Uh, so those are the things without regard to a particular person or party that the United States is concerned about. And Turkey has had a long history of striving for democracy. None of us are perfect, but that's a major concern. And then I think the second major concern is the uh, political orientation long term of Turkey. Is it a member of NATO, really, or is it a non-aligned state that uses NATO when it's convenient and ignores it when it's not? Those are the kinds of questions that probably are concerning uh, Americans. Uh, Arno Erem, um, one of the things that President Erdogan has done is put Turkey firmly back on the international map. It's become a player once more. Do you think that uh, the opposition can carry that on or do you think it's only Erdogan that can really make that work? On the international scene, let's go back to the words of uh, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu himself. He has said over and over that he will change the Turkish foreign policy uh, by 180 degrees. Uh, his chief advisor and a, and a member of his, uh, you know, party uh, administration, a former ambassador, has uh, has had many, uh, you know, statements uh, where he he actually. Uh, said we, he, they, they questioned Turkey's presence and Turkey's help to Azerbaijan. They have uh, definitely questioned, well, more than questioned, actually. They, they claim that Turkey should be out of Syria, Turkey should be out of Libya, uh, and things like that. So just by their own words, we do understand, whether you agree or not with the Turkish uh, foreign policy in the last several years and the way Erdogan is, is driving Turkey in the international scene, we do know that when and if Kılıçdaroğlu is elected, all of these will be reversed. How do we know this? Because this is an exact verbatim statement made by uh, Mr. Kılıçdaroğlu himself and his top uh, foreign policy advisor, uh, former ambassador of, of, of the Republic of Turkey. Uh, Sinan, that's one of the things that people are using to criticise the, uh, the opposition with, that there is no foreign policy experience there. And it is a very dangerous route that potentially the opposition, if they come to power, could take reversing key foreign policy victories, foreign policy policies uh, for, Islam, uh, for Ankara. Do you think that's a, a genuine fear? 
No, it's not. Uh, because Turkey overall has deep foreign policy experience. And when you look at the policy platform uh, and the governance structure of the opposition, on foreign policy, it's very clear. They want to reinstitutionalize uh, foreign policy making, which means that, yes, obviously, the executive president has uh, powers under this constitution, but these will be used in a manner where the institutional in intelligence uh, will also be a part of decision-making. So if there are going to be major decisions that will drive the future of foreign policy, this will be taken in an environment where you have uh, that sort of uh, institutional experience, which exists today in Turkey, uh, that will come into play. No single decision will take uh, major decisions uh, that can shift the course of Turkish foreign policy. That was one of the main strategic uh, mistakes of past years. And here the case is in Syria, uh, how Turkish foreign policy almost overnight changed uh, by sidelining uh, the, uh, the major achievements of Republican-era Turkey, which was non-interference in the domestic affairs of neighboring countries. That principle was jettisoned almost overnight. And the reason why it was jettisoned, it was this lack of inclusive governance, which is what the uh, government, which is what the opposition side is promising. So yes, ultimately they may decide to withdraw from Syria, they may decide to withdraw from Libya, but that's going to come after a concerted practice of, uh, of, of dialogue. And therefore, uh, ultimately the decision will be an institutional decision and not a personal one. And that I think is good for the country because it will make Turkey a much more predictable uh, ally. Uh, Ambassador Pearson, where do you land on all of this? Do you think that the opposition is weak on foreign policy and might not be able to take the steps uh, that Sinan just said? Or do you think uh, that actually this will be a good time for a reset if they do win? Well, I think their purpose is to reset the foreign policy. And I will say, given my own experience in Turkey 20 years ago, Turkey had a core of very excellent uh, very expert and very persuasive uh, uh, diplomats at that time th whom I respected enormously. If that uh, asset is still uh, in Turkey, then I think that Turkey won't be erratic about its uh, approach to foreign policy. But on the other hand, I do think that Turkey will make its own choices. Uh, I mean, but to be honest with you, it's hard for me to see what Turkey has gained from 10 years in Syria. Uh, and uh, it's uh, and and that's a question that I'm sure the Turkish people are mulling over and deciding what to do about. And as I mentioned, I'm concerned and a lot of others are. What is Turkey's real orientation as a country? Would it rather be the head of a non-aligned coalition regional grouping or would it really like to be? part of the NATO process of uh, building uh, relationships. The West, the United States, and the EU are the biggest markets that Turkey has and probably will have. Chinese products are underselling Turkish products on the Turkish market today. So those are the kinds of things that I think a mature approach to uh, a, uh, a an issue like the orientation is important. And also on the economic side, and I'll close with this, Turkey today is ranked as 19th in the world. When I was there 20 years ago, it was 16th in the world. So the promises of putting Turkey into the top 10 never eventualized. 
So I'm sure the Turkish people would like to see Turkey get back to that point where they're uh, feeling good about their place in the world and and building wealth for their country and their citizens. Uh, Anu Erem in Istanbul, uh, it must be, it's been 20 years. Erdogan has had his chance. It must be time for a change, surely. Sure. Is that a question? That is the question. I wanted to know your thoughts. Well, um, I mean, you go back to the basics. There's two things. Why change something that's going good? And even if so, if it's going good, and that, uh, you know, you just change for the sake of changing, then you need something. When you're changing, you need something better. And there's just not a choice. Sanandu, would you agree with that? No, I totally disagree. But it's up to the Turkish electorate to decide. And I think the Turkish electorate will, this time around, give the mandate to the opposition. Now, one of the things, Sinan, that uh, Onur said that I wanted to get back to you about was this idea that the youth vote don't count. But for the opposition, they are really going out and trying to count and court that youth vote. Five million of them might make a difference. Will they succeed? Yes, and there as well. I think we have a different viewpoint. The, the youth vote is different. The reason why it's different is that uh, when you look at the polls uh, and the, uh, the questions uh, in those polls, their level of support for a set of different political actors is different than the average support in the rest of the population. So that's what you get from the polls. Secondly, the way that they get their political information is also very different. Uh, in Turkey, the median age is 32 or 33, so it's still a young population. But when the population, when you take the older generation, they're, they're, in a way, stuck to their traditional ways of trying to consume political information from television, uh, from, you know, uh, printed media. Youth is not like that. That's the case for the rest of the world, too. They get the information from digital, from social media, uh, from, and from platforms. Sorry, so oh no, oh no, we, uh, sorry uh, Sinan, we are actually running out of uh, time, and I do want to come uh, for one final question to Ono Erim. Ono, is there anything you've heard in the last uh, half an hour that might be able to change your mind on whether Erdogan will win this election or not? No, I didn't need to hear anything in the last half hour to, that's, that, to, to vote for Erdogan. I, that... that that my mind has been made before, and if there was uh, 0.001% chance that was left for me to vote for somebody else, was finished when Kılıçdaroğlu was announced as the opposition running mate, whose name, Kılıçdaroğlu's name, has been repeatedly, repeatedly been spelled as the candidate who cannot win by the very members of their coalition. The, the, the five members of that, uh, the rest of the five members of that coalition, including a lot of the uh, top guys within CHP as well. So if there was any, any slim chance left for me to vote, to consider to vote for somebody else, when Kılıçdaroğlu was announced, that was it. I want to thank all our guests, Arno Erim, W. Robert Pearson and Sinan Ulgan. This episode was produced by Mohamed Elaishi, Katia Lopez-Hodian, Fungi Engwin and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Renjit Kurian and the programme was edited by Manish Matai, Lynn Engwin and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening and tune in on Wednesday for our next show. This is a Podcast One. 
This week on The Take, U.S. film and television writers take on artificial intelligence. Is AI a threat to Hollywood's creativity or its labor? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.